What do you do when the man you looked up to as your spiritual hero is exposed as a fraud? How do you recover from the disillusionment and betrayal? And how do you find hope when your world is turned upside down? Welcome to The Roy's Report, a podcast dedicated to reporting the truth and restoring the church. I'm Julie Roy's, and what you're about to hear is the second of 11 talks from this year's Restore Conference. Speaking is Carson Whitenauer, a former director with Ravi Zacharias International Ministries. And as you'll hear, Ravi Zacharias had a huge impact on Carson when he was coming of age and internalizing his faith. So in 2013, when Carson was hired by Ravi's ministry, Carson thought he had found his dream job. But then, in 2020, the dream became a nightmare as more and more evidence showed that Ravi was not the man he purported to be. He was not a model Christian leader and sterling apologist, but a serial sexual predator who lied and manipulated to cover his tracks. The revelations rocked Carson's world, and especially his faith. And in this incredibly raw and vulnerable talk, Carson doesn't sugarcoat anything. He tells of his journey from believing the exposés about Ravi were just satanic attacks to realizing that his own leaders, people he looked up to, were lying to him. He talks about almost losing his faith and feeling like God had abandoned him. But he also talks about hope and hanging on, even when life seems especially bleak. If you've ever experienced betrayal, trauma, or church hurt, I think you're going to resonate deeply with Carson's journey. And in just a minute, you'll hear that complete talk. But first, I'd like to thank the sponsors of this podcast, Judson University and Marcorda Barrington. If you're looking for a top-ranked Christian university providing a caring community and an excellent college experience, Judson University is for you. Judson is located on 90 acres, just 40 miles west of Chicago in Elgin, Illinois. The school offers more than 60 majors, great leadership opportunities, and strong financial aid. Plus, you can take classes online as well as in person. Judson University is shaping lives that shape the world. For more information, just go to judsonu.edu. Also, if you're looking for a quality new or used car, I highly recommend my friends at Marcord of Barrington. Marcord is a Buick GMC dealership where you can expect honesty, integrity, and transparency. That's because the owners there, Dan and Kurt Marcord, are men of integrity. To check them out, just go to buyacar123.com. Well, again, here's Carson Whitenauer, a former director at Ravi Zacharias International Ministries and someone I've come to know as a man of integrity and courage. Julie Royce is a liar. (laughs) It was September 21st, 2020. And I felt nauseous and disoriented as I thought about all of the crazy things she was saying. I was at the beach with my family. We were trying to recover COVID, but it had been a hard year because Ravi Zacharias had died. He had very suddenly and unexpectedly passed away from cancer and I don't cry. But in May, at his funeral, I had wept that Ravi was no longer with us. And I was angry that God had taken him so soon. The vice president was there. Uh, He said 
In Ravi Zacharias, God gave us the greatest Christian apologist of the century. He was the C.S. Lewis of our day. And tributes in that spirit poured in from all around the world. Christian media, social media was flooded with praise for Ravi Zacharias. And our ministry was trying to figure out what we would do without our founder, our inspiration, our leader, our guide. But at the beach a few months later, I felt tense and tight and I was trying to get my bearings because I was scrolling on my phone through these articles Julie had written. Julie claimed to be an investigative journalist, but responsible leaders at RZIM had explained the truth. She was a clickbait journalist. She would dig up dirt on people so she could get her 15 minutes of fame by, you know, scandal-mongering. And now she was stooping to a new low in the aftermath of Ravi's funeral. She was claiming that Ravi Zacharias had taken advantage of Lorianne Thompson. And Julie had documented a lot of facts about the situation I had never heard. So I read her articles. And I tried to do a critical reading of them. I tried to ignore all of her negative, biased commentary. <laughs> I just wanted to pay attention to the facts that she had primary documentation for. And every evening after I got my kids to bed, I would open up my computer and open up a Google spreadsheet. And I would put everything that Ravi and RZIM had told me in one column. And I would put everything that Julie was documenting in another column. And I got to 87 rows of discrepancies. And I just kept comparing Julie's articles with everything I had learned for three years since 2017 and 2018. I'd scoured the internet for information for three years to get information on Lori Ann Thompson. I had talked to many of RZM's leaders. I debated what was being claimed with my colleagues. Uh, for every good point that was raised, RZM's leaders had a good answer. Um, Lorianne had schemed with some friends to leak emails to embarrass Ravi. And they made it look like Ravi had done something really wrong. But our leaders had the whole context of the entire email chain. And they explained that the whole chain of emails had been selectively and manipulatively distorted and taken out of context to make Ravi look guilty when he wasn't. Uh, Ravi and a senior leader who um, were both Easterners explained um, how they read these emails from an Eastern point of view. And they said, if you think Ravi is guilty of something, that's because you're reading this as a Westerner. We had earnestly prayed for God to protect our ministry in this time from satanic attacks and it felt like God had put a veil of protection, a dome of protection over our headquarters and our ministry and our events. And these satanic attacks had been thwarted by the power of prayer. And it hadn't been my job to investigate these claims. But there were 
people of outstanding integrity and leadership, Christian leaders of major organizations. And it was their job to look into this. And so there were two independent external investigations. Ravi's denomination was a highly respected denomination. And when claims like this came up, they did a proper investigation to ensure that none of their pastors did anything like this. And they had found that Ravi was innocent. Ravi's publisher would not publish a book by an author who did this kind of thing. They wanted all of their authors to not only have good teaching, but good lives. The publisher had a responsibility to investigate. They investigated. They found that Ravi was innocent. RZIM was a multi-million, nearly $40 million a year organization uh, in the 30s of millions. And our board was comprised of extremely qualified Christian leaders. And when a claim like this came up, the board had a responsibility. They investigated. Our senior leaders were best-selling authors and powerful speakers and uh, well-educated. They had a responsibility. So our speakers, our senior leaders had investigated. So I was looking at four separate investigations by Ravi's denomination, his publisher, his board, and the senior leaders. And all four investigations concluded that Ravi was innocent. And that Lori Ann and her scheming husband had tried to extort Ravi out of $5 million. It was a blackmail attempt. So what made more sense? A self-promoting journalist, desperate for clicks and attention, was passing on lies because she always believed survivors or multiple investigations by the most trustworthy people had gotten it wrong. And so I wavered. I had first met Ravi uh, when I was in high school. I was struggling with my Christian faith. Do I believe this or not? And I'd read Ravi's book, Can Man Live Without God? And it really helped me. And so uh, there were some connections and I got to go to a dinner around Christmas time where Ravi was speaking. And afterwards, it was arranged for me and Ravi to talk with each other. And I could not believe it. Ravi spoke to world leaders. And now he was going to talk to me. And he explained, keep in touch, Carson. I'd like to keep in touch with you. So on the way home, I told my mom, I would love to work for Ravi Zacharias one day. I um, studied at Rhodes College in Memphis, was studying philosophy. And so I asked Ravi, I wrote him a letter and asked him to give me some advice on my future career. I studied abroad at St. Catherine's College at Oxford. And while I was there, I visited the RZIM offices. It was a chance to meet the people that Ravi had hired and trained and spoke with. I then went into campus ministry for 10 years. Seven of those years, I had the joy of serving students at Harvard College. We faced difficult intellectual and cultural questions. And so we often went and said, what does Ravi say about this? What resources does RZIM have to help us navigate this conversation with gentleness, with respect, with biblical fidelity, with intellectual clarity? So in 2013, when I was hired to work for Ravi Zacharias, it was a dream job. I felt like God had orchestrated all the details of my life and worked it out for me to work for Ravi. Uh, during the seven years that I worked there, I, I got to start with the 
U.S. speaking team, uh, leading them. And then I transitioned to starting and growing an online community called RZIM Connect. And we had hundreds of thousands of people visit this community and learn how to have good conversations about faith and get answers to their questions. I had respected Ravi and RZIM for over 20 years. I'd worked at RZIM for seven. And RZIM was not just a job. It was a joy. It was my identity, my community, my sense of purpose, my faith, my spirituality. So I was in a real mess on the beach. And then came two more bombshells. Both Christianity Today and World Magazine reported that massage therapists who worked at Ravi's spa alleged that Ravi was guilty of awful, horrendous sexual misconduct. And as I read those articles, my heart sank as I thought about what those women had endured. World Magazine also reported that uh, the tax documents Julie had were accurate and that the Thompsons had given away nearly $200,000 one year to different Christian charities. So I just asked myself, are the Thompsons greedy extortionists or exceptionally generous Christians? Are all of the journalists uh, self-promotional hacks or courageous truth-tellers? And I was reluctantly but totally convinced. And I felt that I had a responsibility to take action. Because for years, I had shut down people who thought Lori Ann Thompson was telling the truth. And I had defended Ravi. And now I needed to speak up for his victims. And I had been helped by RZIM so much. I had to do whatever I could to help the ministry do what was right. And I just trusted that Ravi Zacharias International Ministries was nothing like Ravi Zacharias. I mean, he was a fraud. He was abusive, a bully, a liar. But my friends, my mentors, the people I worked with day in and day out, we'd been on road trips together, we'd done ministry together. These people were solid. They were people of integrity. I could count on them to be truth finders and truth tellers and advocates for the vulnerable. So it was October 1st, 2020, and uh, RZM's board had already put out two statements. Fake news, these are false, we've already looked into it, nothing to this. And they also said, truth is the foundation of what we do. And I had to ask myself, is truth the foundation of what we do? Or are you just saying that so people will believe what you're saying? And then we had a, a global town hall meeting because the ministry launched an investigation and they knew staff had questions. And one of the ideas, an unofficial motto was no questions off limits. And so I had a few questions and I wanted to know if we have this investigation going on, but Lori Ann and her family are subject to a non-disclosure agreement, how can the investigation include them? They can't disclose. And the family wasn't willing to release them from that. So would RZIM provide cover to the Thompsons were they to violate this agreement? If there was financial penalties or legal costs. Couldn't we make sure that they could participate? And the response was wonderful. It sounded very gentle and respectful. We're totally committed to the truth here. We want them to participate. 
uh, the NDA won't be a problem. We're definitely going to include them in this investigation. It sounded awesome. And then I thought about it, and they hadn't made any concrete promises of unwinding the NDA or providing a legal defense for the Thompsons. So they were just empty promises. And then the hammer fell. There was a private follow-up conversation with our general counsel, and he explained that I had been out of line and inappropriate and should not have asked those questions. And I still have flashbacks to that conversation, and I will freeze up and just feel so helpless. And then I will remember that I don't have to be afraid of him anymore. And I will take a deep breath and relax my muscles. And I will try and go back into my day. One day, out of nowhere, the chief financial officer sent me and my line manager an email. I guess she'd gotten wind of what I was doing, talking to staff about the situation, advocating for the women. And she wrote to me, while I agree that we should remain transparent with the truth, I don't think repeating potential lies or passing on judgment are qualities we want to embody at Ravi Zacharias International Ministries, Carson. She said she valued transparency and truth, but her threat was not idle. Staff had been fired for asking questions that fall. I had thought Julie was a liar, and now one of RZIM's senior leaders was saying that maybe I was a liar too. Throughout the fall of 2020, I heard many heartbreaking stories of my friends being bullied. At one point, the human resources director sent out an email saying, we want to make sure there's someone to receive staff complaints, so we've appointed an ombudsperson. And that sounded awesome. There's going to be an ombudsperson to advocate for staff. And I was shocked to see the name. The new ombudsperson had a nickname, the Enforcer. She had a track record of bullying staff. So I wrote to the HR director and said, this person has a track record of bullying staff. <laughs> you can't have her be the ombudsperson. And uh, they ignored my email. The ombudsperson stayed in her role. And I had to ask myself, why do they want a bully to receive complaints of bullying? <laughs> if they cared about staff mistreatment, why did they appoint the enforcer to this role? And as information began to circulate around the ministry, I started to learn about some pretty big lies. Ravi had always said that for that non-disclosure agreement, no money changed hands. But in 2017, our senior leaders had read an email where they had learned that Ravi Zacharias had paid $250,000 for that NDA. And so for years, they had known Ravi was lying, and they never corrected the record about a $250,000 payment. And the four investigations I had trusted, they consisted of asking Ravi if he did it, taking him at his word when he said he didn't, and closing the investigation. RZM's president asked us not to publicly comment on the investigation because they were so committed to the integrity of it and to finding the truth, they didn't want anyone to comment about it so it could run its course. 
But then at the end of October, there was a major fundraising weekend called Founders. They would raise millions of dollars in one weekend. And all of the people speaking there, uh, they basically said, Ravi is a hero, and we want you to make a major gift this year in honor of his legacy. Uh, in November, there was a global apologetics conference. Uh, pastors and churches were trusting us to help them with the big questions of the day. And to a global audience, our speakers shared their favorite memories of Ravi and how Ravi had mentored them. They encouraged participants to imitate Ravi's example. And I realized that our president's request for silence wasn't about the integrity of the investigation. It was about silencing anyone who believed that Ravi had abused women. It was about protecting Ravi's reputation and his reputation and our ministry's reputation. I had gone to prayer meetings uh, four days a week and the weekly chapel one day a week uh, for years. And at the prayer meetings, there were again prayers for God to protect our ministry from these satanic attacks. And I realized now that they were praying against me and what I was doing. And that really complicated my prayer life. By December, I was so discouraged and worn out and wrung out and exhausted. I'd talked to anyone I could about this issue and been pretty discouraged. When I showed up to our staff Christmas party, I was hoping, look, this is a classic. We laugh, we have fun, the spirit of Christmas. This could be a good moment of connection and recovery. And then came the Christmas devotional. It came from our chief cultural officer, who was a board member. It was Ravi's widow. There's a verse in the Bible that says, uh, the Apostle Paul says, um, follow me as I follow Christ. And her Christmas devotional was, everyone here follow Ravi's example the way he followed Christ. And it was a home run. People liked the message. They thought it was a great Christmas devotional. And at that point, I knew RZM was not interested in finding the truth, and they weren't interested in the victims. They didn't believe there were victims. It was about loyalty to Ravi over everything else. And I felt that darkness was closing in around me, and I ran out of hope. RZIM said they valued truth, and they kept telling lies. They said they valued respect, but they bullied us. They said they valued integrity, and they acted hypocritically. They used the name of Jesus to get money, and they didn't use the money to follow Jesus. In September of 2020, I lost my confidence in Ravi. By December of 2020, I lost my confidence in RZIM. And in January of 2021, I resigned. And I had to wonder if I would lose my confidence in God. I was a wreck. I was unemployed. That didn't feel good. Our family finances changed. I was directionless. What do I do with my life now? I was isolated. I lost all my friends from work pretty much. I was disillusioned. My childhood hero I was a liar and a bully and a sexual predator. I was recovering. I was trying to find words to explain all the pain I was feeling. I was trying to understand what spiritual abuse was, how to respond to bullying. I didn't know how to describe what I was experiencing. I was frustrated and angry. 
I poured my heart into this online community and it had to be shut down and then deleted, all gone. I was ashamed that I'd given seven years of my life to this ministry that would be always associated with scandal. And I was so confused. Why would God bring me to work for a sexual predator in a corrupt ministry? I felt so rejected and hopeless. I just felt like my whole body was covered in pain. Um, one of my first attempts to recover didn't go very well. <laughs> I uh, went on a retreat by myself. I got an Airbnb in the Great Smoky Mountains. It was beautiful. Uh, you know, since childhood, my, my Bible had been a source of life. But for three months, it had been poison. And so I didn't really want to read the Bible. And I'd usually loved praying to God. It just felt like dust in my mouth. I'd graduated from seminary, but I had never had any training for this. I finally um, just opened up this journal I'd brought, and as I started to write, I wrote these incredibly bloody and raw and angry, just super intense prayers to God. Like some pages were just one word of anger at God. And I felt so troubled by what I had said to God, I threw the journal away. Slowly, over time, I started to find a few things that helped. After I would drop off my kids at school, I would go to the gym. And instead of feeling weak, I would start to feel strong. And then I would go to the dry sauna. I would just sit in there as long as I could. And it just felt like the heat was taking all the pain out of my body. It's a really good time. I kept talking with a counselor, and he helped give me language, and helped me express my emotions, and start to understand what had happened. I shared my story with friends at church, and I told them the same story a hundred times. And they listened and listened and listened and listened and listened to me. I got to know Lori Ann Thompson, found she was a source of healing in my life, and that she would be my friend and forgive me and give me wisdom and care to help me find my way forward. Ruth Mulhatra is here, and she's been a steadfast friend, has helped me navigate so many complex things about this. My mom is here for this talk. And she's been amazing. I leaned on my wife for support. I could not in any way have made the decisions I'd made, except that she decided to be completely there for me. And it's been years of her offering me unconditional love and support as I figured things out again. I had to rethink all of my beliefs read books on theology and church history, trying to evaluate if this still made sense to me. And I got really, really honest with God. And I stopped having any pious prayers. It was unfiltered, direct expression of how I felt with God. Exactly how I felt about Him. I told Him what was on my heart. 
And even though I was yelling at God, I continued to sense that God was with me and that God loved me. And I started to pray the Psalms and I would tweak them as needed. And it was amazing to me that these Psalms were so visceral and real. They blamed God for a lot of things. And God heard those prayers and said, I'm going to put these in my Bible so people can pray them for the rest of time. And I realized that Jesus and the prophets had already spoken the words I needed to say to the leaders at RZIM and to Ravi Zacharias. I had tested Ravi. He was a disappointment. I had tested RZIM. They were a disappointment. And then I tested God with my very worst. And I found that he could handle it. One thing I didn't know is that the road to recovery goes up and down a lot. Sometimes you cannot make progress. Sometimes you don't know if you are making progress. Sometimes you thought you have made progress and you have not. You have regressed. Uh, at one point in the spring of 2021, my family went back to the beach for um, another chance to recover. And I got an email from RZIM saying they wanted to give me severance, which sounded like a real moment of repentance and hope. But I read the separation agreement and my heart sank. It was a non-disclosure agreement. I sent it to four lawyers to make sure I understood this correctly. All four said that's a non-disclosure agreement. Maz <laughs> Chavidian helped me fight it. And for two months, we were dealing with RZIM's corporate attorney. I lost sleep, and I felt stressed out, and I could hardly think straight that an organization with millions of dollars in the bank was trying to take the one thing I had left, my voice. And if you think that's an unfair characterization, consider that RZIM has never done anything to help Lorianne Thompson with her NDA to this day. It's embarrassing. And I got hit from other angles that really confused me and threw me for a loop. I reached out to my whole network and, and people reached out to me, mentors, respected Christian leaders, people who wrote books and talked about integrity and Christian leadership. And they had heard my heartache, they had cared for me, they had prayed with me, they had told me they hoped I would get better, they were there for me. And then they endorsed the books of RZM's leaders. They did events with RZIM's leaders. And I couldn't understand why they would help relaunch the ministry of people who had bullied me. I, I reached out. I said, can I update you? <laughs> they have not done anything to get right with me or a lot of other people. They don't have the Christian character and integrity you're always saying is so essential. They said, why haven't you forgiven them? Some of them just refused to talk to me. They just never responded to the message. And again and again, I realized that for many Christian leaders, accountability is for anyone who gets in my way. It's never for my friend who's done something wrong. And I didn't know that I would have flashbacks. 
thought the past was the past. I didn't know that I would be at my desk trying to do work and be unable to do anything for hours because I couldn't stop thinking about a conversation I'd had with someone at RZIM. I didn't know it would keep taking days of my life. I would log into Facebook and Facebook would be like, here's a happy memory of you and Ravi Zacharias. I would hear a new story about RZIM's corruption, and there are so many stories that are not public. So up and down, up and down, up and down. There were times I was in so much pain, I didn't know if I would ever get better. I didn't know if it was possible to get better. I could not see a light at the end of my tunnel. And then I would get a little bit better, but something would happen and I would go back down into that pain again. So then when I was better, I didn't know if I would stay better. It felt so fragile. How long does this last for? When will something catch me off guard and knock me back down into the pit? And if you feel like there is no light at the end of your tunnel, and if you wonder if you will never get better, I just wanted to say, I hear you, and that it's okay to not be okay. That was one of the main things I just kept saying to myself. It is okay, in light of what I've been through, to not be okay. And over time, I had to accept that Ravi and RZIM had damaged me. And for a long time, I just denied that and resisted that and hated that. It felt so unfair and wrong that they had changed who I was. And I didn't like what they had done to me and the kind of person that they had shaped me to be through their hurt. And I felt so helpless. I mean, how do you change the past? How do you undo all the horrible things they did? You can't. I didn't know what to do with that. I didn't want to face that reality. But at some point, I gained the strength to choose who I wanted to be. I will never justify what happened. I'll never spiritualize it. All of the lies and bullying and spiritual abuse were totally wrong. But that doesn't mean I can't choose a better future for myself. So I'm now awakened to the pain of survivors. I'm excited about that. That's a good thing God's done in me. When I see evangelical corruption, I'm not afraid to challenge it. Sometimes people say to me, Carson, are you worried that if you keep calling out all of these big name leaders for corruption, it's going to limit your future? And I say, if it limits my future, that's not a future I want to be a part of. I once thought Julie was a liar. And now I can call her a friend. I hit rock bottom. I might go there again sometime in the future. But I'm here today sharing with you a story of hope. 
I enrolled in the Doctorate of Ministry program so I could learn how to build a healthy Christian culture. Uh, some Christian leaders decided to investigate what happened, and they published a report holding RGM's leaders accountable. It's sad how many ignore their report, but it's great that they did that. My former line manager at RZIM reached out to make amends. And over and over again, he made really sacrificial choices for my benefit. And that rebuilt trust that he kept doing sacrificial things to repair our relationship. I started Uncommon Pursuit and we're creating resources to help people grow in their Christian faith. And I read the Bible with more sensitivity to God's heart. Uh, for many years, thanks to some good mentors, I had um, always, I had known for many years that God cares about the vulnerable, uh, the orphan, the widow, the immigrant, and the poor. God hates injustice. God hates racism. God hates sexism. God hates all forms of oppression. But it had shifted from being something that I could do exegetically to something I felt in my gut as I turned the pages of Scripture. And I have developed a way more honest relationship with God. I don't pray pious prayers anymore. What I feel, that's what I tell God about. And I know He can handle it. When the truth becomes a lie, when a good reputation is used to lure people in and abuse them, when the minister turns out to be a monster, it's okay to not be okay. I am not here today with any answers or advice. All I have is the story of how God has been able to handle all of my pain and help me to start to heal. And how with God's help, this pain has helped me to choose a better version of myself. I am convinced that if we can maintain the courage to be honest with God and with each other about all of our reasonable and righteous disillusionment, that we will also find our way to hope. Thank you guys for the chance to share with you today. Well, again, that was Carson Whitenauer speaking at Restore 2023. And what a very special and moving talk that was. And I hope if you're in a place of disillusionment or discouragement today, that this talk encouraged you. Next week, we'll be releasing a fitting sequel to Carson's talk. That's a talk by Laurieann Thompson on trauma recovery and empowerment. And this was the most raw and real talk I think I've ever heard. The talk is just so powerful and helpful for anyone who's experienced severe trauma. So you'll definitely want to be watching for that. Also, I want to mention that the videos of these talks are all available at my YouTube channel. A lot of conferences charge for their videos, but we've decided to make ours available for free because we don't want anyone to miss out on this valuable content for lack of finances. But as you can imagine, these videos do cost us to shoot and do edit. So if you appreciate this content and you're able to pitch in, would you please donate to The Roy's Report so we can continue this important service? To do so, just go to julieroys.com donate. And when you give a gift of $30 or more this month, we'll send you a copy of Scott McKnight and Laura Berenger's latest book, 
pivot the priorities, practices, and powers that can transform your church into a Tove culture. So again, just go to julieroyce.com donate. Also, just a quick reminder to subscribe to The Roy's Report on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. That way you'll never miss an episode. And while you're at it, I'd really appreciate it if you'd help us spread the word about the podcast by leaving a review. And then please share the podcast on social media so more people can hear about this great content. Again, thanks so much for joining me today. Hope you were blessed and encouraged.